0: Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker and welcome to the 20th episode of Exchange Traded Fridays. This is for the week ending the 3rd of December. So since you are watching this on Friday morning, we're in the month of December. It is the last month of the year and we're not too far from Christmas. It feels like it has come along way too fast, especially with lockdowns here in uh, Sydney and across Australia. A lot of stuff has happened and yeah, we've been here at least since the middle of the year, ETF track has been around since the start of the year, but it's uh, been an amazing kind of journey to be with you, to watch the news, to read the news, to share the news with you and see what's been going on. But as we lead up into Christmas, as you can see by my little friend back here with Santa Claus and um, you know, trying to decorate the rest of the house, no tree, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. So hopefully you get some presents in the form of maybe returns, maybe dividends, whatever it is in your ETF investing. But we are here to look at what's going on in the news. And because it is that 20th episode and we're getting into that uh, silly season part of the year, we're actually going to hold off on doing further uh, episodes. This is the last one for this period of time. We're going to pick it up again in the new year. but you will still see the newsletter and the newsletter is where all of this kind of comes from. So we collate the news starting as soon as we get out this newsletter on Thursday night um, slash like Friday morning, we'll start collecting news over the weekend to put into the next Exchange Traded Friday's newsletter. So um, when you are watching this, this is going to be the last recording or if you are listening, it's going to be the last thing to listen to for the rest of the year on the ETF Tracker podcast. But You can still read, we'll still do more stuff. We'll still post stuff. We're still doing OzBiz and there might be another appearance or two on some other channels there, whether um, written or in the media in terms of what is going on with ETF. So just yeah, make sure to keep an eye out on that. So what has happened in the news? We're going to go to that screen very soon. Actually, let's do it right now. So hopefully you can see my screen there. I'm going to zoom in a little bit. So we are in the preview mode. In this preview mode, this is basically the blog and the Exchange Trader Fridays newsletter goes out each Friday morning, 7.30 a.m. in uh, those, those periods of time when people are going to work um, or maybe if you're reading at home, just to see what has happened in the news. I had thought about maybe doing this on a weekend, but I thought Friday is probably a good time to recap what is going on because hopefully you're doing more fun things over the weekend than looking at your investments. And if you're an ETF investor, with most of those things being passive, hopefully you weren't looking at it too much. Uh, unless it is you're using one of our tools out there to see whether you've got too much crossover in your holdings or you're trying to see the trends of a new ETF. So we'll go through uh, what's happened in the news. And this week being the 20th edition, um, yeah, it's nearly there. the end of the year, it has, uh, as I said here in the newsletter, started back in mid-July. Initially, we were just going to do this as a newsletter, but then it turned into, why don't we do a recording? If we're going to do a recording, we should actually do a video as well, not just a podcast so people can uh, read, watch, or listen as I state here below. And um, yeah, just saying here that we're going to put the thing on hold. Uh, It does take quite a bit of time to put these together. And uh, yeah, we just need a little bit of a break here. It's a one-man team at the moment uh, doing this kind of stuff. But if anyone wants to Assist, help out, or do anything like that. Then please feel free to shout out. Uh, I'm always looking for new guests, looking for help. Anyone that wants to get involved in talking about ETS, feel free. Now back to the news. Um, as a high level highlight, what we saw was that the Omicron, uh, Omicron COVID nineteen variant has been affecting markets, um, not just ETF markets, but also the equity markets, both globally and uh, also here in Australia. And also talk about inflation as well. We see uh, rising price of food, such as like breakfast and the breakfast index is something to look out for. But in any case, what we did see this week was that there's uh, a new ESG. So if you're into ESG Perpetual, who are a famous fund manager here, they launched an ESG ETF. They're also going to launch another innovation ETF. They've got great ticket names, so we'll take a look at that. Um, we also saw the correlation between listed and unlisted private equity. And that makes sense when you think about uh, Vanek. They had a private equity ETF that was just launched recently. And people have questioned, you know, this is the listed private equity that they're into. Does that mean that my returns are not going to be as strong because unlisted is better or whatever? So we take a look at that one. And there's more on what's going on with the uh, Bitcoin type ETFs as well. So now we will get to the news. The first article here is the perpetual joining the etf ranks and this is uh an article from the afr so we've got a few here from the afr we've got two we'll jump to this one first and this is showing that uh, they launched their fund on monday it's the perpetual ethical sri fund trading under the code give g-i-v-e and what a great name tickers for etfs always have those very memorable kind of names there because i mean a part of that if you're an investor and if the name is easy to remember, then it is going to be easier to think about when you are investing. But we always advocate for looking under the hood. And if it's an ETF provider, they're going to have an ETF fund page. that's going to tell you information about the, the style of the ETF, what it is they're doing, the benchmark if it's a passive ETF or the details about the management team as well, if it's active and, and both passive and active have management teams there. So. Worth a look under the hood. Make sure you go to those pages there. But the other part was that they're also launching an innovation fund, which is called IDEA. So there's GIVE, G-I-V-E, and then there's also IDEA, which is an innovation fund. So make sure to look out for these ones um, next time you'll go into your portfolio, especially given that uh, it's always interesting to see what different companies' takes are, ETF issues that is. What their takes are on the ESG space and how they plan to uh, tackle the problems there. So, in this, they had a chat with a few of the fund managers there over at uh, uh, Perpetual. So, worth a look at there. Now, the one from Van Eck, the correlation between listed private equity and unlisted private equity. And this one's really interesting as well to look at because I've seen it on the forums. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about. Well, yes, Fennec listed this ability to access private equity, but is it worth it when you think about the unlisted private equity? Is it a better way to get access? Now, the thing is, if it's unlisted private equity, what that means is that you have to more than likely be a sophisticated trader. And that means there's an asset and an earnings kind of threshold that you need to have in order to fit the bill and also like a high watermark a high amount that you need to invest if you're gonna get into private equity. It's not like an ETF where you can just put $500 or $1,000 or something, you know, just a smaller amount than what you would need for unlisted. So there's advantages to being able to access private equity and the the doubters have been in terms of returns. So what they've done here is shown, well, the LPX. um, So LPX is, I think it's LPX 50 or LP 50 is the benchmark that uh, is being followed so the lp50 index here and what they're showing is this lpx direct nav what it looks like versus all private equity across all regions which is tracked and so before the financial crisis it tracked well after the financial crisis we can see here that there was an improved uh kind of nav so a net asset value uh which is basically equates to the share price when it comes to ETS because they have to trade closely in line with each other. But what it does show here is that during the GFC, during that global financial crisis from July 2008 to March 2009, unlisted private equity performed far more worse or poorly versus the listed. And then after the crisis, they've performed pretty much in lockstep right up until, um, I don't know what the end date is here, but also December 2020. But the thing is, with this, uh, it's showing with all of these three charts. So if you're listening and you can't see this, so you have to to watch to to see this, or you can read the newsletter. But what it is showing here is that uh, the main argument is that both unlisted and this index, which is the top 50 listed private equity, they both performed in line with each other um, and actually even better during the downturn. So it hasn't performed as bad, the listed version of private equity. So, I mean, if you were an investor, you would want to take a look at this because it just shows you that those fears that you might have of, hey, this is access to only listed, it's not really unlisted, so I'm not going to get as good a return. It's kind of unfounded when you look at it here. Um, Each to their own, of course, and there's probably more homework to do because price is one thing. There's other things that you need to look at, such as the management expense ratio and some other factors there, so worth a look. Now, um, this article here from the AFR is more about uh, how ETFs can underpin an equities portfolio, and it looks at active versus passive strategies for constructing an equity-based um, ETF, oh, sorry, portfolio, and it reviews them alongside pros and cons. And a lot of investors have flocked to ETFs because of the price action, which in this case The argument is that that could be more seen as a sign of the popularity of the ETF rather than uh, the underlying fundamentals. So, worth a look at there. Now, we're going to jump onto the Bitcoin bandwagon uh, when it comes to ETFs. And we've spoken about this many times over the last couple of months, but here's another one. This is from Cointelegraph. And so, if you're not familiar with Cointelegraph, there's quite a few of these crypto news type uh, websites. And this is one of the biggest ones. And what they say here, is that US Bitcoin ETF favors Australian approval, but Aussies need to go further. And it highlights the potential influx of capital. So money coming into the Australian markets, if we are able to launch a proper spot Bitcoin ETF. So in the US they've got Bitcoin futures. And if you guys hadn't seen, um, that was one of the biggest launches of an ETF, the one day launch. So we've got ETFs here that, you know, it takes months to get to 100 million if it even gets to that. Over there, this uh, BITO futures, so trading on Bitcoin futures, that ETF traded just a shade under $1 billion on its first day. It's somewhere around 1.4, 1.3 at the moment, um, maybe even higher. But uh, the last time I checked, it was like 1.4, 1.3 billion dollars. But the thing is, it showed how popular you know, even though it's on spot Bitcoin ETF, um, it's not trading exactly on the price. People were really enamored by it and poured a lot of money into it, institutional and retail. And the same thing here. So we have uh, the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency miners type companies. So the companies that do the mining and, and digging for, for that and providing of uh, different services in that blockchain space. So we have two here that specifically focus on that. There's a third, but it's not, it's not as much um, uh, blockchain. It's Well, it's blockchain, but there's also a lot of fintech in that one, so it's not purely blockchain and crypto. But um, CRYP and DIGA, which are the two ETFs there from BetaShares and Cosmos Global. So Crypt, CRYP had the biggest launch for a passive ETF in the history of Australian ETFs with just over 40 million dollars when it did launch. And so this article talks about those, but it also sees that if Australia is able to get a spot Bitcoin ETF, and who knows how popular that could potentially be, but if it was to do that, it's arguing that there could be a lot more kind of action here in terms of investors pouring into, not just for the Australian market for crypto, but also for other assets in general. So worth a look at this one here lot of pretty pictures here. It shows the crypto regulation world map in 2021, where it's mostly legal, crypto, that is, where there are some slight concerns, mostly being in Eastern Europe and uh, Asia, and where it's mostly illegal. And so parts of the Middle East there. So worth a look uh, if you are interested in this, but they talk about the, the crypto domino, Effect sorry, the ETF domino effect and what that could mean Um, for investors. There's a video here on inflation fears of ETFs driving Bitcoin's price and what lies ahead. So it's a worthwhile article over there from Cointelegraph. Now we're at the part of the week where we review, thanks to ETF securities, what has happened in the markets for the and i've got here the week ending the 19th is actually the week ending the 26th of november and from the image here that we've snipped um, from etf securities uh, you can click on that and it takes you to the etf monitor and what they say here is the highlights they said that um, the ultra short nasdaq 100 hedge fund was the week's overall best performing one because the markets went down and this one is leveraged uh, to go even higher when the markets go down that was up 7.5%, followed by the Van Eyck Vectors' China New Economy ETF. And that's an ETF if you're looking at new economy, so technology and other kind of consumer uh, retail-type companies there in the new economy of China if you want that kind of exposure. And so we've featured that on the show before. But when you download the report, you get this PDF, two-page PDF, and what you get at the top is the performance monitor, as they said and then also the flows monitor to see where the flows were for the week, for the year today, and also for the last four months. And so far for the year today, most money has been going into the broad-based kind of ETFs covering like a, a whole kind of market. So the Vanguard, uh, the Vanguard Australia Shares Index ETF, so that is VAS, followed by the Miski Index International Series, VGS, both of those are at over a billion dollars in terms of flows just this year so far. We've got one more month to go. And then after that, it's NASDAQ's BetaShares NASDAQ 100. That's a technology ETF. And then after that, it's ETHI at $676 million. And that is pretty amazing because we are all about ESG here. We've seen a lot of it since the, uh, the dawn of, you know, the initial kind of investing in that space and how far it has grown. And ETHI is definitely the biggest one. And it is, as this chart shows, just getting bigger and bigger. So worth a look at there. Alrighty. And now we're going to go to the global news and we've got a few articles here. We've got three, one on the crypto space, one from Financial Times, and then another one from Bloomberg. And first of all, we're going to look at the crypto one because this one's interesting as Invesco, which is not a ETF provider here in Australia, but it is overseas. They launched their Bitcoin spot ETP with a German stock market operator. So the Deutsche Börse, they announced that Invesco will launch a spot Bitcoin ETF on their Zetra digital stock exchange. So, that's um, one of the stock exchanges they got there. The expense ratio is 0.99%. So, if you're an ETF investor, yes, that does kind of seem at the high range, but you want to look at that in context. Context. So, in context, again, here in Australia, zero uh, so I think it's 0.52% around that 0.5% mark is what is the average across all 240 plus ETFs here in Australia. So something at the higher end of that range. Yeah, that's going to be a bit higher, but what are you getting in return? So whether you are investing in the overseas types ETFs, uh, depending on what you're using to trade your ETFs, that 0.99% return could be okay given what you're getting back in returns. So Um, It talks about this is in contrast with the U.S. and Australia where we're yet to see a spot Bitcoin ETF coming to the market, but they've got it there in Europe, so worth a look. All right, another one. Financial Times, $32 billion grayscale Bitcoin trust feels the heat from cheaper ETFs, and in this article they talk about GBTC, which is the grayscale Bitcoin trust. It trades, or it is trading at the moment at a 15% discount, so below its net asset value. So that's the value of its underlying assets. And this has come since uh, Bitcoin ETF launched in Canada earlier in the year. So before that, there was no other way to get Bitcoin as a fund, but GBTC was uh, a way to do that. So when these ETFs and there's a few of these ETFs now in Canada, but not Australia, not um, the US just yet for these uh, Canadian Bitcoin ETFs. So ways to get exposure to Bitcoin via the ETF wrapper, which offers diversification, ease of access, less restrictions on being able to buy in than you would have as a fund. And as we mentioned at the start of the show, you need a high watermark to get into that fund. So a high level of assets, you need to be a sophisticated investor to be able to get in typically. And so since those ones have launched, uh, what they've seen is that there's been this divergence of how, well the GBTC fund which operates on supply and demand so it typically will track the price of Bitcoin and we can see a chart here in blue showing that GBTC has been in lockstep with the price of Bitcoin all the way up until the start of 2021 and when those ETFs launched this GBTC fund was trading under and well under where the price of Bitcoin has been with the reason for that, and this is percentage returns. So in terms of when it started going all the way back to 2016, it's 8,000, over 8,000% 8, returns. For Bitcoin, the GBTC is at around 4,000% returns. So it would have been great if you were investing all the way back then and held, not just like bought in bought out and, and you know, sold out or whatever. But you know, it is interesting to see it's still correlated. They're still kind of going in line with each other, but they have broken in away in terms of what the fund uh, gets. And the likely scenario is that because there's these other ETFs available, it's made it easier for investors to go there and uh, less supply and demand for GBTC. So worth a look at. The next one is all about the metaverse. And in this Bloomberg article, it's all about the rates for metaverse ETF, um, which is launched in Canada. Uh, or it is launching Canada, sorry, and it's a tie for first. And Canada's first Metaverse ETF looks like a two-horse race, with the two ETFs being MESH and MTAV. And the first one is the Evolved Metaverse ETF MESH, and the next one is Horizons Global Metaverse ETF MTAV, both expecting to trade on the TSX, Toronto Stock Exchange. The demand could be strong given the eight hundred and six million dollars that poured into the US version of Metaverse ETF from Roundhill that's a roundhill ball Metaverse ETF and since mid 2021 when that launched it's had 806 million pour into it which is a lot of money. I mean that is uh, you know the size that it takes some ETFs here in Australia to get to in you know years and even over a decade uh, of launching so it takes some time for things to grow here but over there in the US it's quite fast just a bigger market. But you can see here that the metaverse race is on, uh, Roundhill Ball metaverse ETF. It's been around since, uh, you know, mid-year, but it's been accelerating more recently and likely due to Facebook changing their name to Meta. And more of this talk about what is the metaverse and showing, you know, how uh, it could change the way we socialize, the way we work. We'll see it's uh you know certainly worth a look at there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the crypto blockchain space and d5 finance and we're certainly looking into that at work and so it's just something to you know be aware of so that's it now we're at the video section we've got as we usually do the videos from uh AusViz and what's been going on there especially in the etf space and they're a great source for if you are an etf investor i highly recommend not just because we go on the show to give our etf updates each month but just in general, there's a lot of great insights that you get from uh, from Osbys worth a look at. And in this first one, which came out, to, so we are filming this uh, on Wednesday night rather than Thursday because there's just a whole lot on, uh, but we are going to add into the newsletter anything that comes up in terms of articles or videos or podcasts over Thursday, and then we'll get this out on Friday. But Uh, Today, being Wednesday, uh, the 1st of December, the first article here is from uh, Ausbiz on Hydrogen and they bring in Gemma Weeks from uh, ETF Securities because they've got the HGen ETF and you can see here Gemma talking to Scuddy and Nadine talking about Hydrogen ETFs and how they benefited from the clear shift in environment attention from the private sector and it is something that we're seeing a lot more in the news hydrogen type um, ways to get access to companies that are doing that or even better ets which give you that diversified stance towards that they talk about the fortescue metals future industries move into the space and how it's little wonder that there's so much excitement around um, this space because there's different types of hydrogen and we didn't even know this but you've got blue brown and green hydrogen and where demand is expected to come from in the future And they talk about the strength of inflows and more. So check that out on Ausbiz. Make sure you sign up. It is free to to watch those shows. Okay, the next one here is from David Lane from Audmanet. And he highlights derivatives and ETFs that investors can use to protect against volatility. So the markets are jostling and going up and down and the craziness there. He also talks about asset allocation and the benefits of financial advice in situations like we're seeing now. So that one is... Uh, eight minutes long, so make sure you check that one out. Then another one, uh, China exposed ETFs a long-term buy, and in this video, they talk with Alastair Mills from BetaShares, and he discusses movements in the Chinese equity ETFs that are part of, um, sorry, Chinese equities that are part of their uh, Asia-focused ETFs, and so they've, they've got Asia, A-S-I-A, really easy one to remember. And that was hit when, you know, all of these things were happening in uh, Chinese cracking down on uh, regulation there across different spaces around technology and education. And so that definitely took a hit. But um, if you are interested in taking a look at that and potentially buying that dip. Now the thing is, it's interesting, there's Alibaba's 1111, 11th of November, Singles Day and how much larger that is compared to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Also, um, Alibaba and JD.com set new sales records across their platforms this year $139 billion US in terms of sales despite market concerns around increased regulation on advertising, so check that one out. The next one is finding a new thing to buy that isn't connected to COVID and so in this one we t- uh they talk with James Whelan from BFS Group and so he mentions here that Omicron Omicron has been the topic for investors since Friday as markets reacted to news of the new variant. And it's not the first time, uh, it's not the first variant that has occurred since COVID began, but still it didn't stop the markets from panicking, okay? And so we're not looking at COVID plays here. James is far more interested in where the world is going and that's to the online metaverse. So another follow up to metaverse type investing. And so they talk about an ETF that covers this as well. Which is Meta, and we mentioned that up above. That's the Roundhill Ball Metaverse ETF that's available in the US. Or if you're here in Australia, it's it's traded on the US, but if you're using certain um, providers, uh, I think Superhero, I haven't checked if they've got that, but I know you can trade and get access to the US. And the same thing with Stake, which is also now trading here on the ASX, but you can get access via those or Interactive Brokers or SoftWealth. Make sure you check that out, but just Type in that ticket code and see if it's possible to get access to that. All right. Uh, The next one is no Australian companies are in this world's first fund, uh, this world first funds makeup. And whilst this is not an ETF, it is a fund that that could be of interest. And in this case, they talk uh, with the Global Impact Initiative, GII, and they talk with their CEO, uh, Giles Gunasakira, and shout out to Giles. Uh, they talk about a couple of different topics on the collaborations in the fund with uh, Nobel Prize winners like Malala Yousuf, Grameen and World Vision. And this is a fund that is focusing on gender diversity. There is no Australian company in that and there's reasons um, for that, at least for now. So make sure if you've got a few minutes, seven minutes to spare, It's worth a look at there. We'll check that one out just uh, quickly. So let's see. We'll skip ahead to... Obviously that's the purpose behind impact investing to be able to generate financial returns, but also achieve measurable, intentional, actionable social impact. Uh, But also quite simply, you've got 50% of the population globally that don't get the same opportunities as the other 50%. And our solution, is a way of utilizing the capital markets to really uh, ensure that we've got a sustainable way forward um, for trying to bridge the gap on gender equality. And that's really good. So listen to CEO Giles they there talking about this new gender diversity fund. So uh, it's, you know, there's all of these different kind of funds out there. This one is trying to do some good in the world. Let's check it out. So make sure you, you spare a couple of minutes for that. Now this other one from Ozbiz. this is actually from last week. It didn't make the cut last week. Uh, we had published and not included this one, but it's worth a look at because it's talking about hybrids and we've spoken about this before. So hybrids being that type of uh, sector category, you've got equities on the one hand, which are higher risk, higher reward. You've got fixed income on the other end of the spectrum, which is lower risk and more guaranteed returns, but that returns level is a lot lower there. And then somewhere in the middle you've got hybrids which offer the benefits of uh both right so it's sitting at that lower kind of level of returns but it's you know a, a lower kind of risk than equity so it's just nice smack bang in the middle there it's brad dunn from e-invest talking with nadine blaney about the d hoff DainTree hybrid opportunities fund there's a couple of other hybrid type ETFs out there I think beta shares has one as well but it's also you know taking a look at this and they also talk about um some regulation changes that have happened that affect ETFs and that's the TMD the target market determination and this affects financial product uh, and service providers because they need to make sure that the products that they've got fit um what it is that they're uh, pointing investors towards so they they have a chat about that so worth a look at that video there. And now we're at the podcasts. And so this week, we've got three that we want to highlight. The first one is ETF Battles. And this is a new podcast that we've only just recently been listening to. This is which growth stock ETF is best. And I'm talking about ARKK. That's the ARK Invest uh, ETF and GTEK. So ARK Innovation ETF versus the Goldman Sachs Future Tech Leaders, Which ETF is the better play? 23 minutes. Worth a look if you're interested in this type of ETF skirmish and a battle, a head-to-head, if you will. The next one is more about the metaverse. And, you know, uh, we just had those uh, videos and articles talking about that. And now here we've got trillions. This is a Bloomberg podcast that is, uh, I think, out each. It's either fortnightly or monthly. But in this one, they talk uh, about the day that Mark Zuckerberg announced that he was changing the name of Facebook to Meta Platforms. That meant that the Roundhill Ball Metaverse ETF found a new trajectory. Since then, the ETF, which holds companies such as Nvidia, Roblox, Unity, Microsoft, and well, Facebook, or now it's called Meta, has seen assets grow sixfold and volume jump 50fold. So, much like Hack, and we've got a Hack ETF here, but they've got a Hack ETF there which also benefit from being the right idea at the right time. Meta is fast on its way to becoming a billion-dollar ETF, mostly because of a big news event. So they talk about that and other things in this 50 minutes on the Trillions podcast. And then finally, we've got CNBC talking about the next-gen investor. And per the show notes, it's the host, Bob Sani from CNBC, along with Anthony Denya, the uh, CEO of Webull, and Webull is a trading platform available over there in the US, not yet here in Australia, although it might come as well. There's a lot of interest here in Australia. They also talk with uh, Andrew McAlmond, Managing Director of Wallach, Beth Capital, and Harry Witten, Head of ETF Sales, trading at Old Mission Capital. And what they discuss is the fallout from the market sell-off. Will the emergence of a new COVID variant add even more fuel to an already pro-growth, anti-cyclical trade in November? Plus the popular trading app, Webull, arrival to Robinhood and weighs in on sentiment as more young investors get into the ETF game. So they're seeing that overseas. We're seeing it over here. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Then in the tweet of the week, it's all about uh, Coin Telegraph, and they are highlighting the Invesco move into uh trading a spot bitcoin etf over in germany we mentioned that as the deutsche Borse, and so you can see the etf here the good thing about the uh the tweets is that there's more commentary on that so when you go to this tweet you see a whole lot of different commentary i suggest that you do follow some of those people that are there because um if you're interested in bitcoin and spot bitcoin or ether or other cryptocurrency type etfs it's usually people like that but it's also etf aficionados the experts in the game that are tweeting and we've highlighted a few of those in our last couple of episodes and now we'll get to the chart of the week and this one is all about cosmos global digital miners etf diga this is providing not just cryptocurrency exposure but also great returns and in the month of october it had plus 20 percent returns and we'll see that when the new ETF market update data comes out from the ASX later this month. So around the 10th or so, we should get that new data. and We'll update that on ETF tracker. Now it's worth looking at the performance of the underlying holdings. So how they performed is really interesting. And thanks to Google Finance, what we can do is take a look at what the top five are. Google Finance lets you compare up to five different holdings against each other. And when you go to DIGA and you see what its holdings are, you can see uh, so some of the companies are listed in the US as well as Canada and so we just see which is the holdings that they've got and based on that we pulled this together and what we can see here is that the best performing one is from hut eight mining so it's uh, uh it's grown nearly 199% over the last 6 months and that is followed by marathon digital but all of these ones are positive. You can see the rate of return here up to 80%. The lowest is 27% by the, the one that it has the most amount of money in, which is Riot Blockchain. But when you go to, um, and we'll include a link. Uh, and I think, yep, so the photo, I haven't got, included a link. But I'll include a link there where when you click on it, you will go to that. Uh, basically that's uh, uh, live, um, well, kind of live because it is a day late, but the actual interactive chart from Google Finance. So we save that as a query. So that when you go to it, you don't have to rekey all of these different holdings. It is just there. Okay, so we make that easy. Now we jump to the further ETF education. And this one we're gonna highlight, um, since this is the last episode, let's go back to the origins of ETFs in general but also origins of ETFs here in Australia and the first ETF provider both in the US and also here in Australia. And fun fact, um, last week we highlighted the, uh, the show from Bloomberg, which was all about the history of ETFs. And if you listen to it, you'll see that it wasn't the US that had the first ETF. Canada had something approved, but the US markets being more popular. So we hear all about SPY. SPY comes from State Street. So State Street have their SPIDER, Global, SPDR, ETFs. And um, on this page, uh, State Street has this education page. So if you're interested in what is going on, you're just starting in ETFs, it's worth a look at this guide here. They talk about what's an ETF, how to use ETFs in a portfolio, comparing ETFs, managed funds and stocks, debunking common myths and misconceptions, and seven questions to ask before investing in ETFs. And so we think it's very good to have a look at this kind of stuff and always great to get yourself educated because that is how you learn. And if you are starting, or even if you just, you know, still are kind of relatively moderately new to the game, it's always good to brush up on your skills there in terms of what is going on in the industry. And then finally, we talk about um, accessing the ETF tracker app. And so if you are interested in that, that's worth a look at here. Uh, there's the holdings app, as well as the monthly updated trends application, which shows what is going on with ASX and ChiX. And then finally, we've got the ETF Tracker Forum and ETF Investing Australia Facebook group, which is now at over 2.2. Uh, so 2,200 plus followers it might be 2,300 by the time I'm writing this, but it continues to grow. And we are one of the moderators there. And there's a lot of great questions about ETF investing. Uh, in terms of what to look at, how to get started, comparing ETFs, and more. So worth a look at there. So i include a link to that Facebook page. Okay, so take a look. And that is it. So thanks very much for listening along. Um, so tomorrow we are going to go, we've got a couple of like different, you know, Christmas parties at the office to go to and, um, you know, to see other friends out there. But then after work, we're going to the Get Rich Slow Club. And so, Get Rich Slow is uh, Perla, the uh, investment app provider as well. And, you know, you can trade and, and stuff on there if you haven't heard about it, make sure to check out Perla. But then Also, there's a couple of different influencers that are going to attend and they're all going to talk about the different experiences with investing. And there's quite a few people coming along from the community uh, that I've seen. I'll put it out on Facebook and sorry, on on Instagram that I'm going. And so I saw a lot of people commenting on that. So I'm looking forward to seeing all those people there on Thursday. By the time you watch this, it will be Friday. So you'll be looking back in the past, but make sure and the event will have passed, but make sure that you check out uh, Get Rich Slow They're on Instagram as well, so they've got a page there, but also check out, uh, I think it's on Eventbrite for whenever they've got their their new meetup groups coming up. So it's worth a look at. We're hoping to have a great listening conversation with all people that are there. And if there's any questions that we can answer as well, we're certainly going to do that from a data perspective, which is what we do here at ETF Tracker. So thank you very much. Um, As I said, it's the last episode, last recording of a video podcast. Um, We finished up the interviews with experts a couple of weeks ago, 12 episodes of series one, and we'll continue that in the new year. And then for this, the weekly wrap up, we will continue writing the weekly wrap up. But for now, thank you very much for your time. This is the last one that you can watch and the last one you can listen to. I hope you have a safe and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We will see you in the new year, and until then, happy investing.